Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. But please do me a favor and welcome with me to the stage, Pastor Sam Masteller. Love you, buddy. Hey, good evening. Hey, stand with me real quick. You'll be seated for a few moments. Again, turn to your turn to your neighbor and say, "Man, you look so much better than last week." Come on, show them some love if you would. You're getting better with age. You're like fine wine. Man, what a joy and an honor to be here. Can we just show some appreciation? You have amazing pastors, uh, Pastor Mel and Kim. You really do. And uh, your church is in a perpetual state of revival and renewal, and God is doing amazing things. This is not happening everywhere, although we want it to be, and uh, you get to be a part of that. Isn't that awesome? And uh, go ahead and turn to your other neighbor today and just tell him it's about to get slap your mama good. Come on, tell him that if you would. So before you're seated, before you're seated, uh, I want to welcome everybody that's joined us online. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I like to begin each time I speak with an attempt at humor. Is that okay? The doctor told the husband that they couldn't graft any skin from his body because he was too skinny. So the wife offered to donate some of her own skin. However, this only skin from her body that the doctor felt was suitable would have to come from her buttocks. The husband and wife agreed that they would tell no one about where the skin came from, and they requested that the doctor also honor their secret. After all, this was a very delicate matter. After the surgery was completed, everyone was astounded at the man's new face. He looked more handsome than he'd ever looked before. All of his friends and relatives just went on and on about his baby face. One day, he was alone with his wife, and he was overcome with emotion at her sacrifice. He said, honey, I just want to thank you for everything you did for me. How can I possibly repay you? My darling, she replied, I get all the thanks I need every time I see your mother kiss your cheek. (laughs) That's terrible. That is terrible. Get sit down if you would. Oh, man. Let's tell the person besides that. I hope it gets better than that. Dear Jesus. Hey, if you would turn with me into scriptures to Second Chan, uh, I just created a word. Second Samuel chapter four. Second Samuel chapter four. Uh, we're going to read a couple verses there in a few moments, and then we're going to jump over to Second Samuel chapter nine. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about a message entitled "Despicable Me." How many of you have ever watched or seen any of the Despicable Me movies before? I love Gru. He has a great haircut. <laughs> and uh, it, those are fun movies. And, and the Minions, I, I love the Minions, all those different things. And, and Despicable Me, is, it, it's a great movie. It's interesting. And, and it's really about a villain that, well, because he was hurt when he was younger, because of his life experience, he never thought he could be a hero. He always viewed himself as a villain. And when I talk about this idea of despicable me, the reality is is that the stain of sin and the brokenness in our world can so impact and affect each of us that we can fail to see and to realize who we actually are in the eyes of God, who He has called us to be, and the destiny that He has for our one and only lives. So tonight, I'd like to talk to you for a few moments about how to overcome the mind minions that are holding you back. Much like poison can kill your body, bad thinking can destroy your mind and ultimately your soul. 
Now here's a thought. You cannot live a positive life with a negative mind. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, uh, who is an expert in matters related to the brain, she shared that 78 to 95% of illnesses that plague us on average come uh, from toxic thinking that activate hormones on the inside of us and chemicals that ultimately cause us to be sick. The average person thinks more than 30,000 thoughts every single day. 1,400 known physical and chemical responses are activated from that with 30 different hormones that flood our bodies and our systems. The Bible says, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That our life is shaped by our thoughts or our thinking. See, you are the thinker of your thoughts. God's not. The devil's not. You are the thinker of your thoughts. And you have the divine power to choose. Something can enter into your mind, but it doesn't need to enter into your heart. Uh, there's an old saying that says, a, a bird can fly over your head, but it doesn't make, need to make a nest in your hair. I'm sorry, it always makes me laugh when I think about that. <laughs> How many of you have ever watched the show Hoarders before? It's a show of people that they hoard things in there. And I have a picture of the show right here. I don't know if you've ahead seen that. Go ahead and throw that picture up if you would. There's an episode just the other night that was on. <laughs> anyway, the show Hoarders is about people that just, they can't get rid of stuff. They collect everything, and their, their homes are overcome, and they have interventions, and, and it's an interesting, interesting show. But here's uh, just a thought about that. Is it possible that you're a hoarder of the thoughts that come across your mind? And is it possible that you're collecting thoughts into your mind and your spirit that God never intended you to consider, that are shaping the future and are shaping the current reality of how you feel and of your one and only life. You know, Romans 7.24, the Apostle Paul said, What a wretched man I am, despicable me, who will free me from this life that is so dominated by sin and by death. Here's a thought. The inner me and the enemy are always working against who God has called me to be. The inner me the thoughts that I collect and, and the things that I say, and the enemy, oftentimes they work together to convince me that I'm not who God has called me to be, and they're always saying, despicable, despicable me, what a wretched person you are. God doesn't love you. God hasn't called you. You're too far gone. You've made too many mistakes. You're a screw-up. It'll never get better. You'll never be. The enemy says all these things all the time. And I just want to let you know tonight that God loves you and that he's for you. And God's chosen you. And every time the enemy says something negative about you, you need to rise up and say, you know what? Satan, you cannot tell the truth. God has a future and a destiny for my my life, and I'm going to win, and I'm going to fulfill what he has for me. That's a good place to clap right there. The inner me and the enemy are constantly working together to call me despicable me. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs or the thinking pattern of this world, 
But let God transform. Everybody say transform. transform. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Thoughts that originate from Satan are temptation, discouragement, doubt, and fear. Thoughts that originate from God and His Holy Spirit are inspiration, encouragement, faith, redemption. The Bible says in Proverbs 30, uh, or 23, 7, As a man thinks, so is he. You and I, we have to deal with the negative invaders of the mind. We have to deal with those mind minions. Now, the minions in Despicable Me, uh, they do whatever they are told. Uh, whatever grew the, the, the villain in those movies, and he's kind of the hero as well. They're kind of an, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting set of dynamics. But those minions, they'll do whatever grew tells them to do. The same is true for our thoughts. Our thoughts can be ascending, or our thoughts can be descending. We can have faith for our future, or we can believe that our lives are over. And I want to take you for a few moments, I want to give you a couple thoughts uh, tonight. I want to take you to a story that you may or may not be familiar with. It's found in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 4. Now here's a little background and a little context. Uh, David, who was, he was the guy that, he was king of Israel, he had killed Goliath. He was an amazing, amazing, very flawed, but an amazing king. He served God's purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep. Now, before him, there was a king that, well, he didn't fulfill God's plan. His name was Saul, and he had a son by the name of Jonathan. David loved Jonathan. He loved Saul. He wanted to honor them, but Saul made it very difficult for him. Well, Saul and Jonathan ultimately, uh, they, they died. They were killed, and, 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 and they, they went from this life, and David became the king of Israel. And as we kind of set this up, there was uh, a son uh, that was given. Let me read this in verse, uh, verse number four. It says, Jonathan, everybody say Jonathan. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel that they had died. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Say that with me, Mephibosheth. <laughs> if you are pregnant and looking for a good name, that would be a great Scrabble word, wouldn't it? Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth uh, is an interesting guy because he is a descendant of royalty. Yet something tragic happened in his life. He found himself disabled. He found himself dishonored. He, he, he should have been heir to a throne. He should have been treated as royalty, but ultimately, he was just the average person dependent on someone else to take care of him. And if you jump over to 2 Samuel chapter 9, it says, One day, David, who is now king, he asked a question. He said, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Because they were good friends. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. And he said, are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. The king then asked, uh, asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? And if so, I want to show God's kindness to them. 
Zebra replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. He's in Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Makir, son of Emil. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. David said, Don't be afraid. Now, I want you to think about Mephibosheth. He knew about his granddaddy's behavior towards David. How David was an anointed king, but Saul tried to kill him. He chased him all over Israel. He, 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 he pushed him into the wilderness, and there was enmity between them. And, and David tried to be honorable, but Saul was terrible to him. And though David and Jonathan were friends, ultimately, you know, his daddy and granddaddy, they died, and, and everything that he thought would be his was gone. And not only all the resources in the kingdom, but also his health and his ability to take care of himself. As you can imagine, he had a very negative connotation. Mephibosheth means shameful things, and, and he probably had that view of himself, a negative view, despicable me. I suggest to you tonight, those of you joining us online and in the house, there's some of you, because of what has happened to you when you were younger, because of what has happened to you in your life, because of what someone maybe has done to you or an experience that you had, you've walked in here tonight, maybe physically on the outside everything seems together, but on the inside you've been disabled by the issues of life. And, and you, you, you've come into this place or you joined us online and, and you've bowed low to the ground and, and you don't think that God thinks much of you. You don't think that maybe God wants to do much for you. And tonight I hope that you'll get a revelation on the inside. I hope that you'll have an understanding of how Almighty God feels about you as we walk through this story. David looks at Mephibosheth and he says, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I'll give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. You'll eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully, and he said, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? He was showing David how he felt about himself on the inside. Despicable me. What a wretched man that I am. He believed that's who he was. What he did not recognize or realize is that he was actually royalty chosen by Almighty God. He had promises. He was someone of covenant that, that had blessings coming to him, but, but he didn't recognize that. The Bible says, verse 9, Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I've given you your master's grandson, and everything that belonged to Saul and his family now belongs to you. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. Verse 11, yes, uh, my lord the king, I'm your servant, I'll do all that you've commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Verse 13, and Mephibosheth, who was crippled and both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. 
How do you move from despicable me to all that God has called you to be? You have to make a decision to make a shift in your thinking. You have to determine what you really believe about your life. See, what someone else believes about you is not really important. See, what the reality is around you is not as important as what's going on on the inside of you. You need to, well, here's the first thing. If you're going to move from despicable me to, to who God has called you to be, you need to recognize. Everybody say recognize. You will become what you believe. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. All behavior is based on a belief. Behind every sin that you're committing is a lie that you're believing. And beliefs come from the thoughts that you ultimately choose. Mephibosheth had a great call. He had a great destiny. But he believed something about his life that was not true. Similarly, the, the Israelites were on the brink of the promised land. The, the report came back from the spies that said, we're like grasshoppers in the eyes of those, uh, of those giants. The truth was, if you, if you fast forward uh, a few chapters, then you'll see that those giants and the people in the land, they'd heard of the God of the Israelites. They were fearful of these people that had God on their side. But they believed a lie that was not true. And that lie stole the destiny of an entire generation. Tonight, I've come to preach you happy. Tonight, I've come to encourage you, hopefully stir something on the inside of you, and to challenge you. There may be a lie that's been spoken over you that you're not enough, that God doesn't love you, that he's not for you, that, that you're not called, that, that there's not good things for your life, that you don't have a destiny. And I've just come to let you know that the enemy, that he's a liar, and that he's defeated. And God wants you to recognize what is not true. The enemy, he's a counterfeiter. He is unable to tell the truth. And tonight, you and I, we can make a decision to recognize those things that are not from God. Here's the second thing that you need to do. You need to make a decision that you're going to reject. Everybody say reject. Your life is defined by the thoughts that you accept and by the thoughts that you reject. I have a program on my computer that whenever uh, it begins to run slow and gets bogged down and, and, and all those things. It, it, it cleans my computer and it deletes all the old files so that it clears space so they can run the way that it was intended to run. See, oftentimes we collect all these things from our culture, the lies from the enemy. We play them over and over again in our mind. But oftentimes we don't delete those things out of our hearts. We hold on to them. We hold on to offense. Somebody was mean to me. Somebody said something about me. I'll never go back to that church. I'm never going to have a relationship there again. I'm not going to restore that with my family. I'm going to hold on to those things. And the truth is, is that Jesus wants you to make a decision. You know what? You can delete that. You know, you can just hit the delete button. You can remove that from your thinking. You know, when things happen to us, they affect the way that we think. It was just a few years ago, I loaded up my family of five and my beautiful wife who's uh, watching and recovering from surgery. She's at home. Hey, honey. And uh, do I look good on video? I tried. Okay. Anyway, we were driving in our Suburban and we were heading down to Florida. 
And then we're going to be going to a conference with a lot of people from our church the week after. And as we're driving along, uh, we're on Interstate 95, doing about, you know, 65 or 80, somewhere in there. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and as we're driving, we had uh, put on a movie for the kids, and uh, we're just kind of going along. We're ready for a great day. We had closed the sunroof so they could watch the movie, and as we're gone, all of a sudden, I hear what sounded like an explosion. I heard glass. Something had flown off of one of the cars, and at that rate of speed, landed right in the center of our sunroof and shattered the sunroof. Now, it was a miracle that we normally always have the sunroof, uh, at least from the inside, open so the light can come through. But at that point, we had closed it so it didn't come through and land on my children. It was a blessing. It was the favor of God. And at that moment, we're like, okay, we have like multiple states to drive through, and we have a hole in our roof. And so we did what you would do. We stopped, and we went to Walmart. Come on, somebody, because Walmart has everything. And I said, we need to get plastic. We need to get duct tape because, <laughs> you know, if, if God can't fix it, duct tape can, right? <laughs> and so we went and we stood, it was hot, and I said, okay, honey, and, and we got up on top of the Suburban, and I just made it as tight as I possibly could, and I taped it down as smooth as possible, and I knew it was going to, like, leave residue all over the Suburban, but I, there were storm clouds in the distance, and we spent about a half hour doing everything just right, and we got back on to the, to the highway, and we were driving for approximate, approximately 120 seconds, and then all of a sudden we were... And I'd like to say, I was like, hey, it's all good, no problem. But I was ticked. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so we pull off to the road. We go to the next exit. I use more duct tape because that's what we do. And I did it again. And finally, I said, okay, it's not going to work. It's just slapping in the wind. I just pulled it off. I said, we're just going to have to go. My wife said, well, what are we going to do? It's going to rain. I said, I have no idea. And so we drove into storms and out of storms. Into the next storm, she said, what do we do? I said, just close it from the inside. Water was pouring through our car. It was leaking all through the back. The kids are like, Daddy, there's water getting all over me. And I'm like, oh, well, we're on vacation. Isn't this wonderful? And these thoughts began to go through my mind. You know what? I can't afford to replace this car. Man, Suburbans, they're really expensive. We got an amazing deal. And man, it's going to be corroded and it's going to be ruined and the insides and, and all, it's going to affect all the wiring and, and I'm going to have to get a new car. And, and man, I, that's going to kill me financially if I have to do that. And, and I'm not going to be able to. And by the time I was done thinking, I was homeless. <laughs> I didn't have any food for my children. Come on, have you ever been there before? You start playing things over and over in your mind, and it went from a little crack in, in a, well, a hole in your roof and a sunroof to you no longer have a home, and your, your kids are tiny Tim, and all these different things. And, and I had to stop in that moment and say, okay, God, help me. Now, we drove all the way to Florida, water dripping in the car, all those different things. Now, we went, and we went to the place, and I called up, uh, and I said, listen, we're here for a week. I need you to fix my car. Can you guarantee that you will fix my car? They said, we guarantee we'll fix it. Okay. And so I went throughout the week. I called them. I said, is it done yet? They said, it's not done yet, but it's on order. I said, okay, you need to tell me. And I'm thinking, there's some moments I wish I was not a pastor. Come on, somebody. 
I said, I said, just don't do that to me. Just tell me that it's done. And so I called that day. They said, hey, it's in. Don't worry. It'll be done by this time. You can come pick it up at noon. I said, no, I'll come at the end of the day so I can make sure that everything is all good. I got there at the end of the day, and guess what was not installed into my Suburban? And at that moment, I was like, dear Jesus, let the fire of God just get them now. I'm just kidding. I was like, man, what are we going to do? My wife said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to drive to Virginia Beach with a hole in our roof. I said, Jesus, don't let it rain. So we left it like 3 o'clock in the morning. What was it doing? Raining. In fact, it rained half of the trip all the way to Virginia Beach, water pouring through, all these things. And just every time I saw a storm cloud, the stress just over, overcame me. I was so frustrated. I was so irritated. I was concerned uh, about what was going to happen and all those different things. And, and, and the rest of the week, I went and I got it fixed. But every time it rained, I, I began to get nervous and anxious. And, and every time after that, uh, that year when I'd go on a trip, I, I would be kind of nervous. say, God, just don't let anything happen to the sunroof. And it was almost like it, it, it was right there with me, those thoughts pulling me back to that experience. I mean, ultimately, my sunroof was fixed. Everything was good. I still have my house. My kids are good. They're eating. Everything is wonderful. Yet in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, what if that happens again? What if we're out and there's nothing I can do? And all these things replayed over and over and over in my mind. And some of you have been living your life that way. And the enemy has been tormenting you. What if this happens? And you have anxiety over this. And I just want to let you know that Almighty God has given you the divine power to choose. You can reject that thought and say, no, thank you. You don't get to stay here because I have peace in my heart. I'm full of the favor of Almighty God. You need to make a decision to reject the lies of the enemy, reject the things that are going to hold you back, and commit to only what God God has committed to you. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. If you want to break free from despicable me, you have to take authority. You have to make it, you can't be passive. Well, whatever happens will happen. Whatever will be, will be. No, no, no. Whatever you think about and what do you, whatever you believe, uh, there's a saying that says, whatever's going on in your mind will be in your life and time. You've got to set your heart and you're going to set your faith. You need to recognize those thoughts that are coming at you. You need to reject the lies of the enemy. And then you need to make a decision that you're going to renew your mind. I read this story recently about, about a man named Joey Grimaldi. He was a comedian in the early 1800s. He kept people laughing during more than 40 years of his career. Joey was known to turn angry mobs into applauding audiences. But he wasn't such a happy man himself. When he left the stage, he was, he was angry, he was bitter, he was lonely. He felt pressure to always be funnier than before. He was a perfectionist, never satisfied with his routine or his success. Later in his life, he became ill, but he kept on performing. In one of the towns that he had stopped, he went to a doctor that he had never seen before for his overwork, his stress, and, and everything that was going on in his life. The doctor didn't recognize this famed comedian. And after examining him, the physician told him, he said, you know what, 
There's no medical reason for your illness. It's just toxic thinking. Other than stress and overwork and possible depression, you know what, I suggest that, I don't know what you do for a living, but I suggest you do something to have some fun. Why don't you go and see, there's a comedian in town, his name is Joey Grimaldi. Why don't you go and see him? That laughter, well, it'll probably do you good. It'll, it'll be good for you. I hear he's hilarious. But doctor, Joey replied, I am Joey Grimaldi. It was a few weeks after that, that Joey, well, in front of a packed house, the applause and laughter of the people, he collapsed and he died from exhaustion. He could make others laugh, but he couldn't deal with the thoughts that he wrestled with himself. He couldn't remove the hindrances. Can you relate to that? You can be nice to other people. You can be encouraging. You always have a kind word. Smile on your face for others, yet you're always beating yourself up. I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. This will never work out. I'll always be in debt. My, my marriage will never change. All of these lies from the enemy, of the, the, saying, you're despicable me. It'll never be better. You know, that's exactly what Mephibosheth thought. I'll always be this way. This is my lot in life. What he didn't know is that he was royalty. What he didn't know is that there was grace that was looking for him. What he didn't know that there was so much more in store. And what you may not know tonight in the midst of your struggle is that grace is looking for you too. What you may not know in the midst of your issue is that you're royalty and you're chosen by Almighty God. That God has reserved a seat at his table for you. And that, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how many times you've blown it. His mercy is new every single morning. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways, they are beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Just as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I want to challenge you to exchange your thinking for God's thinking. We call that renewing your mind, or meditating, or considering, and thinking about God's thoughts. Now, the Bible says that when you meditate or you consider or you think about the law of God, the powerful word of God, that it guarantees prosperity and success. Favor comes on to your life. Now, you might say tonight, I don't know how, I mean, meditate, all those things. What does that mean? Listen, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because worry is meditating on the wrong things and taking you to despicable me when Jesus wants to take you as you, as you commit to his word and as you de declare his praises from your lips, as you, you settle his truth in your heart, then ultimately it will set you free. You need to reprogram your life by renewing your mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Psalm 1-2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Philippians 4-8, take a note of that if you would. I want to encourage you to read it this week and think about it. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When we renew our minds, 
We do so by choosing the right thoughts. We need to choose to have the mind of Christ. We do that by exchanging our thoughts for God's thoughts. Our feelings for His truth. Tonight, I want to speak God's truth over you. And I want to let you know that you can make a difference. I want to let you know that your life matters. I want to let you know that you are royalty. At the cross, Jesus defeated the enemy. So you can tell the inner me that you are no longer despicable me. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to Almighty God, that you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are chosen by Almighty God. You have incredible value. You are loved by Him, completely forgiven as you call out to Him. And you are fully equipped. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus to fulfill the plans and the purposes that He has for you. I want you to stand with me as we close tonight before I hand it back over to Pastor Mel in just a moment. I'm going to close with this story and then I want to give you an opportunity to respond. It was recently Holocaust Remembrance Day. I was doing a little bit of reading and research and because we esteem and value the, the Jewish people, the chosen people of God. And we are grafted in part of that because of, because of Jesus and because of our faith. We know of the, the horrendous experiences of the Jewish people during the time of Hitler. We know of the millions of people that were killed. Children that were, were just treated brutally. We know the people that were placed in gas chambers, all these different things. You probably heard of Oscar Schindler, but you maybe have never heard of Irina Sendler. During World War II, Irina began to work as a nurse in the Warsaw Ghetto, but with ulterior motives. Irina started to sm uh, smuggle out Jewish infants in her toolbox. She also hid larger kids in a burlap sack in the back of her truck. Irina had a dog that she trained to bark when the Nazis let her in and out of the ghetto. Her dog's barks covered any, no any noise that the kids made. During this time, she managed to smuggle out and rescue more than 2,500 children. She kept each of their names in a glass jar buried in her backyard. Eventually, she was caught. The Nazis beat her so badly that they broke both of her arms and legs. She was sentenced to death, but somehow she managed to escape. She lived under a false identity, but continued to do what she could to help others. And after the war, she tried to locate the parents that hadn't died in the Holocaust, though most of them were gone. The kids whose parents had been gassed were placed in foster homes or adopted. In 2007, she was 
She was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. She died at the age of 98. Many people around her had similar opportunities to make a difference. But they believed they couldn't do it. Fear held them back. What they did, they didn't believe about themselves. They just didn't think they could. But something was different with Irina. She believed that she could make a difference. She was willing and she believed something that, that impacted her on the inside, that changed the way that she acted and the experience and, and, and the destiny that ultimately touched the world. She was an amazing woman. And I just want to let you know tonight that we don't live during World War II and we're not in that experience where we're in the same, facing the same issues of rescuing uh, uh, children and, and those ways. But I want you to know that God has a divine call for your life. And you may not see yourself as someone that can make a difference. Just a dead dog kind of waiting. You've been crippled by the issues of life. What can I possibly do? I just want to let you know tonight that you're royalty. I want to let you know tonight that you're chosen by Almighty God, that you're locked and loaded, you're fully equipped, and that your life is a gift waiting to happen. And if you would choose to not believe the lies of the enemy, not only would you be set free, but there's generations awaiting to be impacted all around you with the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. And you're chosen by God to make that happen through your one and only life. But you got to choose it. You got to choose it. So if you'd bow your heads with me in this moment, if you're here tonight, and maybe you're joining us online or you're here and you say, Sam, I just, I, I haven't made a faith confession. I haven't made Jesus the Lord of my life. I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, for God so loved you, he sent Jesus to pay the price for every, every sin every mistake and everything that you've done that has separated you from him Jesus God poured uh, all of our badness on Jesus so Jesus could pour all of his goodness on us so we could become children of the most high God maybe you once made that decision but you've walked away and I want you to know tonight in just a moment we're going to pray and if you'll pray with me in faith the Bible says oh call on the name of the Lord will be saved your past will be forgiven your future will be secure we're going to pray that together in just a moment and then I'm going to just pray and just prophesy over you just for, uh, just for a moment. But there's those of you that are here. You're a follower of Jesus, but you've been wounded. You've been hurt. You view your life as despicable me. But tonight, you're going to walk out of here in victory. You're going to lay aside those thoughts and say, no, 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 no. I'm a new creation. I'm called. I am chosen. I, I, I have a destiny. I'm favored by Almighty God. I want to speak that over you. If you're here tonight and you say, Sam, I need to get right with God. I need that forgiveness. I need that grace. I need to call to Jesus. If that's you, would you just, real quick, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just wave at me for a moment and say, hey, hey, I, I want to pray with you tonight. I need that grace. I need that forgiveness. Is there anybody at all? God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Say, Sam, that's me. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? I'd love to pray for, with you tonight. God bless you, ma'am. If you're here tonight and maybe you've made that faith confession, but you've been carrying the lies of the enemy over your life and you say, no more, no more. God, you're speaking to me and that truth is going to set me free. I'm going to set my heart, heart tonight. If that's you and the Lord speaking to you, just wave at me. Say, that's me. That's me. 
I'm not believing that lie about myself. Come on, all together, can we pray this? Everybody say, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Tonight I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and make me new. I believe that you died on a cross, that you rose to new life, and you're coming back again for me. And until that day, I will live for you right now by faith. I'm a child of God, forgiven and free in Jesus' name. Now, I, Father, I thank you that every person, the sound of my voice, that's confessed your name, they're children of the Most High God, that their past is forgiven, their future is secure. I thank you, Lord God, that these people, Lord God, your children in this house as we gather together, they are children of you. They are called by you. They are people of destiny. And I thank you that you'll use them as a light in darkness. And as they walk out of here in a few moments, they walk out in the favor of God. They walk out in the power of God. And they walk out resurrected in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, can we give Jesus praise tonight?